I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Clay Hepler. Clay is a chief wealth strategist at The Creative Capitalist. Uh, he helps entrepreneurs and real estate investors in 50 states create, protect, and multiply their cash flow. Clay, first of all, let me just say uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Jason, it's absolutely a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to spending some time with your listeners and really focusing on, hey, how can we how can we come away from this conversation with them having at least a nugget to help them in their financial freedom journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, why don't we start with just uh, telling us your story. Give us your background, kind of where you came from, and um, we'll work through that and then go into what you got going on now. Totally. Yeah. So my my background is I was an aspiring diplomat. I, I aspired to work for the embassy, U.S. embassy. And I was actually working for it in a couple of years ago, about seven years, six years. Well, I'm sorry, six and a half years, something like that at this point. And not that old. It can't be that long. Yeah, right, right. I know. It's like, I'm like probably six or five. No, but long story short, Jason, what happened was I, um, I, I was focused on, Hey, I'm going to be a diplomat. Like, I know this is my, my thing. And I never worked in the embassy. It's like very, very much like setting up expectations. And then like understanding that I didn't have any sort of like context or credence around why I even thought that I wanted to do that, except for I wanted to, you know, travel around the world. And I wanted to do sort of political relations, economic relations for the United States. So Long story short, I went down to Buenos Aires and I had a horrible experience with the embassy and my career, my aspirational career to work for the embassy uh, at that point just stopped. And so what that looked like was I had recently uh, come off an injury, a career ending injury. I was a college athlete and my sort of career that I thought was going to be my dream career, Jason, ended. So what I did was I said, Hey, I need to take some time off of college. <laughs> and when I did that, I, I joined my family's business, which was a chocolate business, a luxury chocolate business. And I had never taken a business course or an economics course. And I didn't know anything about sales and marketing, but I felt I, I, I had a knack for it. So I scaled that business from two to 42 states in 18 months. We built relationships with celebrity chefs, the Omni hotel chain, um, you know, uh, QVC now with Good Morning America. And long story short, I learned a lot about sales, marketing, business development in that role because I was just cutting my teeth and I was practicing exactly what I was doing, right? Um, I, it wasn't some sort of someone arbitrarily like putting together a business plan. I was like, no, we have to do this to survive and grow. So I had to learn baptism by fire. And along the way, 
I met a guy that was a really successful developer. He was a developer in, in Washington, D.C. And, and I met him because we were selling chocolate to these small specialty shops. You know, think like mini Whole Foods or Dean and DeLuca's. And we would build relationships with these um, specialty shops and we would sell them our chocolate. And I built a relationship with this guy. He was a developer, office and multifamily developer, and he owned a lot of other sort of ancillary businesses. And he had a, he loved specialty food and so did his wife. And so he had a specialty shop, a couple of them. And I built a relationship with him. And through the relationship, he sort of started to teach me about, hey, Clay, um, you know, you got to you got to own businesses. You got to own real estate. There's tax strategies. There's estate planning strategies. There's life insurance, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. But he taught me about all that stuff. So this guy was worth about one hundred and fifty million dollars. And he sort of over a couple of phone calls over a year, um, we started talking extensively. We'd get on the phone for an hour and stop and talk about, hey, how did you build wealth? How did you do this? And he'd tell me a story and he, he would go down into all the details. So long story short, I said, wow, I need to get involved in owning my own business or because my, my parents weren't just going to give me the business. I'd have to buy them out or real estate. And I always was fascinated by wealth building wealth. And so I joined a local firm, Jason, a local real estate firm, and I helped build that, their wholesaling business, which of your listeners that don't know, wholesaling is basically finding a property, getting it under contract, and then selling the contract to an end buyer. And you make the little difference in between. We did 75 deals our first year. Um, And all along the way, uh, I bought a house hack that I started buying more real estate. And I got up to about 14 units in about 16 months. And now I have 12 more units in escrow and just closed on a three unit with a partner. And I've focused, I've gone from working for that company, the wholesaling company, which I was sort of the director of acquisitions of. And my main gig now is actually focusing on helping real estate investors, all all real estate investors. That's my clients with building their own bank with life insurance, with the same strategies that I learned from my mentor. So uh, that's kind of my story up to today. I'm a real estate investor. I do Burr investing. I have a luxury Airbnbs. I've been house hacking and I love multifamily properties. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I mean, quite, quite an impressive background, Clayford. I mean, I think you told me you were 25. That's yeah. a lot already happened uh, in, in a short period of time. So that's, that's amazing. And, and it, you know, it's even despite whatever age people are, I think it's always, it's always our past experiences that contribute to like what, where we end up, where we, you know, so it's like, whether it's a injury as a college athlete, a bad experience in, in something that you thought was your dream, you know, some of these things that, that you pointed out, but along the way, ultimately it's, it's, you know, whatever skills, if you're, if you're willing to pick up those skills along the way, and then, you know, sort of learn whatever you can, you know, you get, you get lucky enough to meet uh, this developer and have a relationship with him. So it's like all of that stuff contributes. And it, I think one of the, one of the, at least correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the, you know, sort of underlying themes through all of this is I feel like sales and marketing is, uh, you know, a big part of, of what you do, what you're doing in all of these phases. And also just seems like you're skilled at it. So it's, it's something that I I think doesn't come naturally to everyone. Uh, Seems like maybe it comes naturally to you. I think maybe if you have aspirations of being a diplomat, that that's 
doesn't doesn't sound like a um, career for a, an introvert, but but maybe just touch on that a little bit. Talk about you know kind of because just personally that doesn't come naturally to me like that the, the sales and marketing side of things is definitely so maybe i'm asking these questions for, <laughs> from a selfish standpoint but but i do i'm always fascinated by people that that's like that's their thing that's how they kind of are, are wired so maybe tell us a little bit about that you know what why did you want to be a diplomat what about it and then you know how how come or or maybe it maybe the sales and marketing didn't come naturally but if it didn't what what strategies either way, have you used to sort of be able to grow these businesses so quickly? Yeah. So I would say that sales is multidimensional. And when I say that, I mean, is the level of salesperson that you are, there's sort of the base level, which when you, when you're just trying to sell someone something there, there, there's a base level of sales intelligence, right? And that actually comes down to a lot of sort of uh, understanding, like empathy, understanding people with a combination of extrovert, being an extrovert and, or just sort of being aggressive as a person. Um, Sophisticated sales is sort of broken down in my mind. It's sort of like widget sales and then like more sophisticated sales. Like for example, a widget sale was the chocolate that I sold. So when I sold this chocolate, it was pretty simple. Basically, I had to be good at a couple of things. I had to be good at follow-up. I had to be absolutely tenacious and relentless. And I had to be able to just take nose and just keep going. I don't think that that's like a very sophisticated sale. It's just like selling a widget. Like I would send people samples of this chocolate. It was a great product. I don't think I would have been as successful if the product wasn't as good. Right. To be honest You've with you. But- You've got to have a no matter what you're selling, it's got to, it's got to be a, a worthwhile product. It, exactly. So <clears throat> the, the, I think that the base level of what you need to do is in order to be good at sales is you have to understand uh, the importance of volume and being tenacious. And then also understanding that taking a no, like understanding that if someone tells you no, that, that that's okay. Maybe you didn't align with their personal interests. Um, or maybe you just are bad at what, what you do. I mean, or maybe the product is just not the right fit. And so that's kind of how I like look at the base level of sales. Now there's a more sophisticated sale. Now the more sophisticated sale is like your sale, right? You know, you're selling someone to invest in an apartment building that's illiquid for three to five years. You know, you promise a return, but when you promise a return, it's kind of not guaranteed. It's arbitrary. It's just really what happens is the sale is trusting you in the way that you focus on their interests and um, you know, what, what they're actually looking to achieve by working with you. And that's what, that's a more sophisticated sale. And so in other words, I'm just going to break this down very simply. If you're selling a widget, you focus on yourself. You focus on the ability that you have, the tenacity that you have, the persistence that you have, and that will get you far. But the next level of sales is actually focusing primarily on the client. So if you're obsessed with the client, if you're obsessed with the outcome and the client, it doesn't matter if you're extroverted or introverted, you will be an amazing salesperson. Because what that, what that creates is a curiosity that creates you actually asking meaningful questions. Salespeople a lot of times get tripped up, Jason, because they're just talking about their product. 
instead of saying, Hey, like, what are you actually looking to achieve here? What's the outcome? Like paint me a picture. What, what, what would it look like? What would feel good to you about this interaction? How is this going to help you achieve your, your hopes, your dreams, your goals? You know, how is this going to get you bigger, a, a better status in, in forms of terms of your friends group? So in other words, sales is two levels. The first level is self. You got to have some sort of tenacity, persistence, ability to take no's. And then the better salesperson or the people that can focus higher on their client, they understand people better. They understand psychology and they can pull the levers of, I need to focus entirely on this person and make sure that I'm helping them achieve their goals. And those are the people like Amazon that companies that just absolutely kill it because Amazon focuses entirely on the client. They optimize for the client. And those are the most successful companies. And those are the most successful salespeople. I know that was kind of a long, a, a long story, Jason. I hope that that was helpful. I kind of went off the cuff there, but I but I think about sales in those two sort of tranches. I think that was perfect. That's actually really a great way to break it down and you know sort of describe. And I think, yeah, it's you know depends on what you're selling. And I think it looking towards you, you're generally you're selling on these sophisticated sales, you're selling yourself, you're selling, you know, kind of the trust in yourself, but you do that by seeing, realizing, you know, what the, what they need, what, whoever you're talking to, what they need, maybe they don't need you. And that's fine. Like that, that's okay. Maybe, maybe that's not what they need. Maybe you don't have the solution to their problem, but maybe you can point them to someone that does. And then the next time, you know, maybe you have it. So I, I love actually love the way you broke that down, Clay. I think I think that was great. Um, <clears throat> so you kind of moved into, you know, you've done a lot, like I said, in a short period of time. You moved into to real estate um, more. I, I, I'm getting the impression for your own kind of portfolios, just as as a way to, uh, you know, have a, have a an investment arm uh, of of your portfolio. How did you do that? How did you how did you start that process? What was I know you met the developer, but what did you you know kind of what steps did you take so people can maybe take these uh, take these same steps? Yeah, um, I think that you know, and this is kind of going a little tangential, but I advise my clients who work with me at my my firm, the Creative Capitalist, to, to think about building wealth in three ways. Okay. The three ways, the three steps to build wealth are number one, you got to get your mindset, right? Number two, you have to get your finances, right? And number three, you got to pick the right vehicle. Okay. This is kind of a, a, what I learned from my mentor in a certain degree or another, but let's just sort of break these down. And, and this will allow me to explain your question more, more thoroughly. If you want to get your number one, your mindset, right? A lot of people, think about building wealth in a, in a way of the middle class. And when I say that, I mean, putting your money in a 401k and an IRA, scrimping, saving, delaying, deferring, hoping one day you're going to be wealthy in 40 years when your money compounds, focusing on accumulation, not cash flow, because cash flow is the lifeblood of any business. It's also the lifeblood of your own life. So if you shift your mindset from I'm going to put, put my money and have it compound for 40 years and delay that, delay my enjoyment, delay my freedom to bring that to the moment and saying, how can I achieve my goals in three or five years by purchasing assets that cash flow 
and focusing on abundance, focusing on value creation, you start to, you start to play a different game, right? The game that you start to play is how do I find opportunities, partnerships, vehicles, that's going to help me achieve my goals. And I think outside of myself, again, this is sort of the, what I referred to earlier with the, the second more sophisticated level of sales, which is focusing on the client. When you focus outside of yourself, right? Whether that's expanding outside of yourself with an abundant mindset, you get to the next level of your wealth building potential. Now there are ladders, there are degrees within that that are tremendously important to, to get to, but we're just going to focus on the, the first level, which is getting your mindset, right? I'm going to focus on value creation. I'm going to focus on equity, Jason versus, versus just income. I'm going to focus on tax preparation, all these specific things that revolve around your mindset is how you're really going to set yourself up. So I learned all that through my mentor in reading about a trillion books, rich dad, poor dad, you know, all the, the real estate investing books that you and I both know from bigger pockets and other real estate investing books. Um, a lot of stuff by a guy by the name of Garrett Gunderson, who's a really, really uh, writes killing sacred cows. What would the Rockefellers do? And all these other budgeting sucks, all these other books that really put your mindset in in the thinking like an entrepreneur. Number two is get your finances right. Okay. So if you want to invest in everything, you got to have money. Yeah. You know, you, there's a lot of people that talk about today, you know, I'm going to go out there and syndicate and invest in a 150 unit apartment building with none of my own money. You know, I, I, that, that doesn't feel right to me. That doesn't feel like you're aligned to the end result. It feels like you're just using other people to get to your goals. And I think alignment with um, aligned interests is incredibly important to build wealth. So when you get your finances right, that means that you're, you're implementing the same strategies that in your own personal life that you would implement in your business life. Because if you're a disaster in your personal finances, Jason, and you go out there and try to buy an apartment building or self-storage facility, it's going to blow up. So long story short, you got to get your finances right. You got to pay yourself first. You got to make sure that your interest or your insurance, your taxes and everything are, are accounted for and you're optimizing your cash flow in that respect. And number three, which is what you just asked me about is the vehicle. Okay. The vehicle doesn't matter really what the vehicle is. It could be vending machines. It could be car washes. It could be small businesses. I just chose real estate because this guy was like, you should try real estate, you know? Right. So, um, I just, like I said, related to the first step, which is the mindset. I just started reading a lot about it, talking to a ton of people about it, getting other people's knowledge and applying it to my own life. I knew that the first hurdle that I needed to get over was to get my first property, right? As soon as you get your first property, you cut your teeth. So I just house hacked. I bought a three unit apartment building using a low down payment loan. And I, I cold called this guy for like six months because I wanted to live in a specific neighborhood because my then fiance or my girlfriend at that point said, I'm not moving into a house hack unless we live in this neighborhood. So I said, deal, I'll find it. So I went around, walked around the neighborhood, found all these addresses and cold called all these people because I wanted to live in this neighborhood. It was a very competitive neighborhood. It, it, you know, it's a great neighborhood to live in. And so the vehicle portion was just the real estate. And I just bought this house hack and then started to manage these people, started to manage renovation. I got $10,000 stolen from me. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. But long story short, it was just about the education and just having the, the willingness, the tenacity, the persistence, the drive to buy your first property and then to continue to leverage that. Yeah, I, it's, it's great. It's uh, I, I love the way you broke it down. I think um, your point about you know, sort of 
building wealth being a, a middle class mindset way of thinking, you know, it, it's, I had never thought of it that way, but it's true. It's, it's like what most people think is the way to build wealth is just by trying to earn more at their job, like figure out a way to, to make more money at their job, whether that's go to another job that'll give them a little bit more money or work more hours or what, you know, it's always this concept of, of, you know, growing their, trying to make themselves more valuable to someone else rather than making themselves more valuable to themselves and doing, you know, kind of the things that you, you put in play there where it's, you know, getting, you, you've got to, you've got to find a vehicle, right? You've got to find a vehicle where your money works for you. So uh, really a, a great um, kind of breakdown there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Jason, let me just kind of talk just this, this, this brings me to a really important point. If you think about the three classes, I'm just going to kind of go off the cuff here because of what you just noted. You have, you have the, your, your poor lower class people that are not very financially solvent. They're constantly scrimping and saving and just trying to get by. They're trying to survive. The next level of people are trying to optimize what their current means are. I need to make more income. I need to put more money in the stock market. And they only think about themselves. They only think about, hey, what can I do in my own specific control? And the people that are wealthy, that think wealth, about how to build wealth, they think about leverage. They don't think about themselves. They think about other people. They think about how can I leverage people, capital, code, media? How do I leverage all of these things to become more wealthy? So they think about outside of themselves. This is kind of a theme today. I think we're, I think we're hitting on yeah. a theme, but, yeah. but I think that that's very important to, to note. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Leverage is, is a huge thing. It's, it's just, and I think knowledge, I guess I would add knowledge to that because I think there's a lot of people that just maybe don't know what's available. And it's like, you know, I, I, even I spent, spent a lot of years trying to figure out what the best highest interest savings account was like, wh well, how can I, you know, where can I make a lip, you know, one more percent or whatever. And it's like, and then you realize what you can do in real estate. And it's like, why, why am I talking about 1%, right? It's like it, it, even, even in today's current environment, you could still invest in real estate and pretty safely think you're going to get 10%. Like it's, it's like, it just doesn't like talking in 1% doesn't make sense. It's, it's figuring out how to leverage these, these other vehicles to, to really accelerate the process. So yeah, it's uh, I mean, really, really great um, point there. <clears throat> Tell, tell us about um, Creative Capitalist. Tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of what you're doing there, what your uh, your focus is. So what I do is I help real estate investors that have purchased at least one property and make over $100,000 a year, build their own bank so that their savings works harder for them without taking on any more risk, without succumbing to any more hassle, without worrying about volatility and without doing anything drastic in their life. So how do I do that? Well, I do that is I, I implement the tactics that I learned from my mentor. And this is what we do. We use a specifically designed permanent life, whole life insurance policy, optimized for control, liquidity, early cash value buildup. That's going to give you 400 to 600 times the national average interest rate, we're talking about interest rates here, in a tax efficient compounded way that you can collateralize with a line of credit such that your money is not being interrupted in terms of the compounding of that, that 400 to 600 times the national average that you can leverage into purchasing assets, buying businesses, using human capital, 
all while it's creditor and asset protected. You have a death benefit. So if you ever pass away, it goes to your, your um, heirs, your children tax-free. And essentially, it's just a more, it's not a magic bullet, Jason. It's just a more efficient and effective place to store your interest, your opportunity funds, your capital act. It reserves your uh, repairs, your operating expenses, your taxes, your insurance, if you're a real estate investor, so that your money's working harder for you. So you can go out and do what you want to do. You can hit the home runs. You can invest in the birds. You can invest in the syndications. But you always know that your money's going to be working at that standard 4 to 6% compounded in a tax-efficient way. So... We're, correct me if I'm wrong. We're talking, I think, you know, it has a bunch of different names, but essentially the, the concept of inf infinite banking within a life insurance policy. Um, can you describe, I think it's a, it's a difficult concept, I think, for people to understand. Uh, maybe try and break it down for us exactly how it works. Like what, what, if someone wants to have one of these policies and use it, what, how do you kind of in your, in a nutshell, like, what do you tell them? This is, you know, that's gonna, how it's gonna work. Yeah. And I, and I, let me just preface this by saying, I think simple is smart. I think if anyone tries to complicate anything, what they're trying to do is they're trying to pull something over on you. So if anything seems more complicated than, than it should be, it is more complicated than it should be. Yeah. So long story short, all this is, is this is a life insurance, whole life insurance policy that is optimized for early cash value, cash value growth, and the ability for it to be liquid. So what you do is if say, we'll have an example of, I wanna put in $50,000 per year into this policy. So you call me up or you call another person up that sets this up and you say, hey, I wanna do this. I wanna put $50,000 a year because I wanna put my operating expenses, my repairs, my capital reserves in. And I say, okay, cool. Obviously it's life insurance. So you gotta go through some medical examinations. We gotta see if, you, if your net worth and your income allows you to be underwritten for the $50,000. There are other things that have to be considered. But long story short, you get approved. You have your $50,000 a year premium. You can just think of this as your own separate savings account. This is your own, this is Jason's bank. That's going to give him four to 6% compounded. But wait, it's life insurance. So what does that mean? That means that you have to pay for the death benefit. Okay. So the reason why I say, hey, this is a long-term play, just like real estate is because in the first couple of years, the money that you put in is not going to be equal to the cash value that shows up. Usually takes about four to six years to break even. So the first year, maybe 75% of your money shows up that you can leverage into purchasing real estate, buying assets, buying a car, whatever you wanna do. And by the fourth to sixth year, depending on your health, depending on your age, obviously this is life insurance, so we have to consider all that. You will break even in terms of the money that you put in, and then start to experience the compounding of your money at that four to 6% over the lifetime of your policy. Now I'm gonna stop here because I said a lot of stuff. I wanna make sure that you're tracking with me if you have any questions related to the actual mechanics of this. Um, but let, yeah, let's, let's jump into that to see if you have any questions. I'm sure your listeners might be saying, hey, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and, and some of that uh, I have, I have 
started to learn because I I have a whole life insurance policy, my wife and I, and it, it it's when you, I think it's important that the point you made about it takes time for your, the actual cash value of that policy to build up because that was definitely not something I understood <laughs> in the beginning. I signed up for it just because someone told me I should. And it was, then I started looking closer and I was like, why do, why, why have I put in all this money? And like, I don't actually have access to what I put in there, but <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, realizing the time you know the time frame that it takes to kind of get that to a point where as you said it will it will essentially even out and then and then eventually it's worth more than you've than you've put in there basically like that starts to grow um sort of exponentially it, it compounds as you said um so i don't that wasn't really a specific question but but i, no, yeah. I think the, just the, to the, try to maybe reiterate that point that it's not it's not like someone can put $50,000 into one of these and then immediately take that $50,000 and go invest in real estate. It doesn't, it doesn't quite work that way. It does. It doesn't, but depending on the agent that you work with, the company that you work with, the way that these are structured, they can be optimized for much earlier cash value. Now let's go back to, um, you know, talking about the breaking even point, because this is really where it gets interesting. If you look at all the wealthiest people in the world, they have assets and they take loans called asset-based loans. You might have real estate, you know, you can take a line of credit, you might have gold or art or Bitcoin or stocks, and you can take loans out on these. Now, the reason why you can take loans out on these is because these are assets that are worth something and you collateralize them, which just essentially means you take the equity of the value of whatever you're collateralizing and you put that up as saying, hey, if something goes wrong, I owe you this, right? The reason why life insurance, it, we can do that with life insurance as well is because there's cash value in there and that's actually equity and it appreciates every year as you and I were talking about it, four to 6%. But the reason why life insurance <coughs> is attractive to do this, and this is why what most of my clients that are real estate investors do, is because there's the guarantees it'll never go down. That's not volatile. There's guarantees that it's going to go up 3%. This is contractually guaranteed. And then there's additional dividends that you can participate in. So you get to that four to 6% compounded growth. So what most of my clients will do is they'll put their money in here and they'll start to use it. You can use it within 30 days to go out and buy a bird or put money down on a down payment and your money is still working for you. So this is where it gets very interesting. You have that guaranteed growth every year. Your, your money's going to be working at four to 6% compounded over your lifetime, Jason. While you take out a line of credit, I wish I could show you sort of what I was drawing. You take out a line of credit and you use it as a down payment or use it to pay for a piece of real estate. Well, then you use the cash flow from the real estate to pay back your, your loan, the, the line of credit that you take out on your um, life insurance policy while that money is still working for you. So what happens is, over your lifetime, 10, 20, 30 years, you can amass hundreds of thousands or seven figures of additional savings wealth because you're flowing your money through this life insurance policy and it's never stopping compounding. And the power of compound interest over decades is absolutely miraculous. And all along the way, you're able to use it, you're able to leverage it, you're able to amplify your savings in there by taking out this line of credit to purchase real estate. So you get a larger and larger pool of money over your lifetime because it continues to compound. 
while you're using that line of credit. Very similar to a, using a piece of real estate as a the equity in your real estate as a line of credit, as collateral for a line of credit, but your real estate can go down. They can call the the line of credit. You have to come, you can pay, you have to pay for it, pay it off. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of people got smoked in 2008. But with life insurance, that never happens because you, you define the payment terms. There's an interest payment every year that's interest only payment, um, but you don't have to pay it back ever. It could lapse your policy if the accrued interest and outstanding policy um, loan is, is greater than your cash value, but that never happens with our clients because we coach them through it. Again, I know that was a lot, but uh, I don't know if you have any additional questions related to how to use this, why this is the optimal saving strategy. Uh, and just to make you know another point that, that you touched on, but I think the sort of worth understanding is that you, if you take out these loans, and please correct me if this is incorrect, but you take out these loans, the, the the compound interest is still growing based on what you had in there, what that total was, not less the loan, right? That's, right. that's kind of how those work. And I, I think that's a, a really important point that it's not like you take out the loan and then it stops growing. It's it's growing at whatever it was growing before based on the total value. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it's a, it's a great strategy. I think the... Uh, across the board, you know, th- patience, patience is not, not our, uh, not our strength as uh, human beings. And so there is some, um, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time for this, these strategies to work. But once you get to that level, then, then, you know, it's the velocity of money, it's, you know, the compounding, compounding nature of time, all of that, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna then start to grow very quickly if you're utilizing it right. And in the, the, the important thing, again, back to that sort of mindset thing we talked about earlier, where, you know, the mindset of, of middle-class, the mindset of, of the truly wealthy people is, is that the truly wealthy people are using all of these vehicles in tandem to make their money grow at, at, a, or at rates that you, it just not, you know, sometimes unfathomable to people that haven't, you know, don't don't understand or, or uh, can't open their mind to that that ability or that possibility. I guess is the better word. Um, and it, and I think it's just that's been one of the most fascinating things for me about you know my journey into the real estate world is like learning all of these options and opportunities and being able to think <clears throat> how you can put them all into play. So it's it's it definitely takes some education. It takes some time, but but then it will be it will be worth it because you'll then you'll get exponential exponential growth. Exactly. It's it's really about setting up a strategy that implements all of these things. Right. We were talking about earlier, the mindset, getting your finances right in the right vehicle so that you can accelerate your path to financial freedom and abundance, total life abundance. That's what that's what we're going after. And that's what wealthy people know. They know that by flowing their money through different strategies and tactics, that they can accelerate the velocity of their money so that they can build wealth faster. That's all we're that's all we're focused about here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it makes total sense. Um, Clay, let, let me switch gears here a little bit. And we'll uh, get to the part of the show where I get to ask you the questions I ask every guest. And nice. so the first one um, related to the name of the show being know your why, but, but what is your why? What, what kind of drives you, uh, 
you're you are you're young so um you don't have 50 years of experience to put behind this so what <laughs> when you're 25 i, I think uh, people's whys are different than when you're 45 or 65 <laughs> and all of that so right? yeah, tell us uh, tell us what your what your why is and and it probably will evolve over time we'll talk in a couple of years and it'll be uh, a different story I'd really enjoy that, Jason. I'd really enjoy that. Um, so my why is, is my family, you know, my, my um, wife and my parents and her parents and my family members. I mean, it's, I think this is a really important question. I think I love the, the show, the, the name of the show, because it's really what gets you through when things are difficult, when you're tired, when you're, you know, you got to know why you're doing the things that you're doing. And it really comes down to serving my wife and, and being the, the husband, the man that she wants, that she needs me to be, um, that she deserves me to be. Um, and I also say, I was going to put that in there. They, right, 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 the, right, right. The, the, the man that our wives deserve us deserve uh, is, is what we want to be. Yeah. And, and also my parents, man, my, um, um, my parents were incredibly supportive throughout my life. And I want to give back to them deeply. I want to help them really get into a great place of retirement. I want to pay for their vacations. I want to give back to them because they sacrificed so much through their life for me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So it's a very uh, family is is easily the most common. Uh, certainly, my why it's 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 easily the most common answer that I get to that question. But there's a reason. There's a reason. That, uh, it, it's an extremely powerful. Um, motivator and, and as you said you know when you're when you have the hard times and the and the tired you know you're tired and all of that and it's like you know we we talked a little bit about kids before we started recording but it's like all i got to do is look at my kids and it's like yeah get up get, get yeah up. right, right. No, it, it's, it's easy it's like not easy but it's it, it's it's uh give you a little shot of adrenaline just seeing those little faces so it's uh right. it's well, it's yeah, well right. worth it <laughs> um Tell us something about yourself that that maybe isn't common knowledge. Uh, special skill, a hobby. You've 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 got a chocolatier family, so that's interesting. But maybe maybe something that uh, not not uh, not everybody knows about you. Yeah, um, every one of us have these sort of inflection points in our life that really define who we are and how we see the world. And most of the time, these inflection points are around our identity. You know, I became this person. I, I started my first bout of confidence. It might be you being a ballerina or a football player or learning something new. One of the things that brings me the most joy in life is speaking Spanish. I love to speak Spanish. I speak it fluently and I, I get so much joy by, by connecting with someone through another language. And so I'm, I'm totally fluent. I have an, you know, Argentine accent and um, I really loved, I really love to speak it. And not a lot of people know that about me. Um, but it was the first thing that ever, I ever got confidence through Jason. I, I remember studying Spanish and, and doing all the pen pals and speaking with people for hours and hours and hours and botching words. And it's very embarrassing if you don't speak it well. And, and it was really the first thing that gave me a, a foundation for my identity and I love, I love speaking it. So that would be something that not a lot of people know about me. That's super cool. That's super cool. Uh, and, and I think uh, a very valuable skill to have, right. In, in communicating with, with people. In, in, I find, you know, being fluent in other languages 
automatically to me, like I'm, I'm impressed by, by that people. It sort of raises their, their level of uh, value to, to the community. I think, I think it's fantastic. Um, when people hear this and they want to get in touch with you, what's, what's the best way? Yeah. Um, reach out to me at, I'll give you my number. You can text me 412-552-3029. Text me at that number. I'll also give you my email, clay at creative-capitalist.com. And Jason, if your listeners want to learn a little bit more about exactly what I do with my clients, my real estate investor clients, they can just go to creative-capitalist.com. I set up a a video webinar for your listeners in particular, so they can just go to creative-capitalist.com. It'll be right there on the homepage. Awesome. We'll we'll put all that in the show notes. Um, Final question for you, Clay. What piece of advice would you give to someone who is, you know, starting out, whether it be in real estate or business or whatever, but just trying to to get their their selves motivated and and get started? What what would you tell them? Oh, there's a lot of things coming through my mind right now. Um, and you could say more than one. It's okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> I think I think there's no substitute for work. That's that's what I would tell them. I would say that you find yourself in work, you learn about, you know, I was reflecting earlier in this conversation upon my earlier sales experiences. And I've watched so many tapes, I read so many books, I practiced so hard. And I'm so I'm a totally different salesperson now, but I had to do the work to get there. So I think that there's a lot of hacks out there. There's a lot of you know, zero to millionaire in 90 days. There's, there's a lot of that out there. And we opt in because of our human nature for the easy way, but there's no substitute for the work. So if you want to be successful, if you want to do anything great in life, you just got to be comfort, comfortable being boring and just doing the hard work. Yeah. I love it. Totally agree. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic piece of advice. Um, well, with that, Clay, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all of the uh, insight and value you've provided today. It's been it's been a great conversation. Thank you very much, Jason, for having me on, and and I appreciate it. Thanks for the Know Your Why community. Yeah, awesome. And everybody, when you hear this and and you like this episode, I'm sure you will. Uh, please leave us a review and a rating, um, and and uh, check out check out Clay's podcast as well. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a good day. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.